The Ethereum merge is upon us. In this episode, Tony and I break down an overview of the merge timeline, our strategies for trading around it, and then share some thoughts on the current macroeconomic environment and the impacts from the Federal Reserve on the investing world going forward. Hang on to your car seats, gym shorts, airplane neighbor, or wherever you may be listening to this episode number seven of the Crypto Scrubs podcast. listeners welcome to episode seven of the crypto scrubs podcast my name is galen ma and i'm here with tony chang welcome to the show welcome for coming back to us once again yeah we hope to do this uh more often uh i know again tony got married before last episode we disappeared for three months but now we're back full swing giving you guys the best content we can provide to you trying our best here yes sir um, just a quick recap. Um, we wanted to talk about, I guess, a little bit about what's going on in the market. We are still in the bear market, ladies and gents. So there isn't going to be a lot of people looking into cryptocurrencies at the moment, unless you still have money in a lot of the non-big twos, um, which is going up and down a lot. Um, one thing I do want to mention is that uh, we are at the very bottom. And, um, and what's around the corner, Galen? Well, it's September 10th, and it's 3 p.m. Pacific time, and the merge is upon us, the Ethereum merge, which is why we wanted to do this episode with you all. Um, Everyone who's listening right now, you are the 1%. I want to congratulate you all for being that 1%. So sticking through the depths of the bear market is tough to do so give you guys a pat on the back right now since you guys are listening here and uh tony and i are sticking through this like champs (laughs) because we've been through two of these cycles already once in 2017 another one during this path during this current uh bear market so actually this is our third right uh 2017 was the first and then kind of the pandemic i would call that a mini b market which a lot of people got wiped out. Now this is kind of the third one. That's right. You're actually right. We were sitting around like 44,000 for like the longest time and we thought it was going to go back up. I think it did for a little bit and then just came crashing down. So uh, a little bit of, of, I don't know, it it happened so quickly. The bull run was kind of short in my opinion, I felt like. Uh, maybe it's actually the exact same time as what happened with 2017. It's the exact but, same time. Okay, yeah. I mean, to me, it felt really short. It felt like, yeah. you know, I wish I had more cash, you know what I mean? So, but for the most part, um, this is a significant upgrade that we're making with Ethereum. Uh, Ethereum is moving to proof of stake um, sometime this month, which is a huge deal because there is a ton of money inside Ethereum and they got to be stable um, after this upgrade. And so all eyes on Ethereum right now currently. And uh, what day are we merging or what day is it turning into proof of stake, Galen? Proof of stake is upon us. The official date, uh, technically, it should be any time in the next 10 days, including today. But the developers are anticipating it will happen 
September 15th and five, or 16th in five or six days. So we'll get into the technical details of what it kicked off the Instagram merge and why they give um, that 9-15 date. But first, I want to kind of recap. Uh, if you go back into our episode library, go to episode two, that's where I actually first recap the, what Ethereum 2.0 is and its move to proof of stake. So definitely check out that episode for all the background details and why it's important and its impacts um, there. Uh, so today we come hope to have kind of a continuation of that discussion since we're in the midst of the merge right now. Right. And so we also want to mention that the reason why they're moving to uh, proof of stake versus proof of work is one of the few reasons is, uh, I guess the number one reason though, ultimately was to have a better scaling solution because they were having so much transactions on their network that it was just like bogging up everything. And like they were, their network froze at one point. I, I wouldn't say it went down, but it, it definitely froze when CryptoKitties was around. That was the first time. The second time was, I don't know what other games but were, were built on top of it, but uh, proof of uh, work on Ethereum was just not working. Um, and it caused the fees to shoot up like crazy, right? Like the NFT market was just incredibly expensive. Like it was impossible to really get into it unless you were in early, right? Yeah, dude, you said proof of work wasn't working. So that's a dad joke right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for um, throughput and uh, just a number of transactions that Ethereum can handle, both times when there was huge demand in the network, um, first digital cats, next second time digital apes, right? <laughs> right. Um, the third time they, they couldn't handle like digital, I don't know, bunnies or something or something crazy for the next nft craze so that's the reason why we're switching for proof of stake is mainly because of throughput um i think because they didn't really want to rely on the proof of stake which relies on kind of graphics cards and miners that was another thing um and graphics cards and miners come through channels like uh nvidia right um mostly nvidia right yeah that's very Some true AMD, so that, that was another reason to take back control of that, the, how, how validations go, happen. So again, the proof of stake uh, transition is upon us. Um, first, I want to give you listeners some, a kind of a timeline of how, uh, how we got here of the proof of stake transition um, and some kind of key milestones going forward. So September 6th, uh, last week, four days ago, there was a, uh, a merge called the Bellatrix Upgrade. The Bellatrix Upgrade happened on September 6th, and that is a signal for all of the people on the Ethereum network that the merge is coming up. So what the Bellatrix Upgrade did was signal that the difficulty for proof of work is going to increase to a very big number, starting with 5, 8, 7, 5, and lots of zeros. And what that means, starting from that date, the difficulty on proof of work is going to hit that number. And when it does, it will make proof of work mining essentially obsolete, impossible from a profitability perspective. So all the proof of work, proof of work miners are going to be turned off um, when the total difficulty 
it's called terminal total difficulty reaches that big number. So that impacts you, right, Tony? Yeah, it does. It definitely does. Um, I wanted to talk about like what's happening in the market for hardware in terms of the Ethereum market. It's definitely crashing a lot more. Um, below MSRP, below like half the price of MSRP right now. It's like 50% down. Um, it used to be way above, even if it was used, but now it's just crashing significantly for a lot of like NVIDIA cards, AMD cards. And these hardwares were really, you know, in, in one way, it was great that people were picking up hardware to put, you know, where money where the mouth is and really secure the network. But at the same time, it was definitely... Um, not made for that, right? So uh, graphic cards were not made to be overheated and um, continuously run 24 seven, right? Unless you're like running your own data warehouse because there's a lot of fire risk. Number one, there's a lot of heat risk um, and there's just a lot of energy consumption uh, significantly, especially if you're from a home and not from a commercial building. So there, there's a great transition towards proof of stake and it makes sense. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of people that were depending on, you know, this type of passive income, so to speak, off of these hardwares to make money off of proof of work, they're going to have to transition out of it. They're going to have to work towards other protocols like Ergo or ETC or or some other some other things that are still going to be on proof of work. Uh, maybe even Bitcoin if they're really into it, like right. But that's like a significant amount of investment um, for their hardware. But uh, I think this is a great time, a uh, great timing, actually, a little bit uh, during the bear market just to kind of cut people off and and especially cut out like inefficient graphic cards that they're using to uh, run the network. Right. You want to you want to run a network on a highly like high quality type of hardware that never overheats and whatnot uh, just to be more efficient. And so um, that's one great thing, I think, uh, coming out of it. But at the same time, we have to realize that. Uh, during the spare market, once it moves over to proof of stake, the 51% attack is actually the threat itself is actually much higher uh, than it was before, resulting in that saying is that an, an attacker would need 51% of the staked Ethereum, and that equivalent is about $15 billion. Now, if it was like a traditional market, or if it was like Elon Musk, um, if instead of buying that Twitter, he could technically just buy $15 billion worth of Ethereum and control it for himself. You know, who knows? Um, but that is the case right now. So the proof of stake security um, is going to be a little bit walking on eggshells, in my opinion, uh, especially with the transition that's happening now. The network is just more prone to attacks. More hackers are going to get wanna, want to get involved. Um, there's been... A lot of attacks, maybe not on the the chain network, but a lot of attacks around it, uh, especially on like other chains such as like Avax, uh, their DeFi platforms just got hacked. Um, so people drain stuff out with through flash loans or whatnot. But uh, this is what's happening, and it's happening very soon. And all eyes on Ethereum. So yeah, back to you. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting how the proof of stake. Um network plays out and consensus protocols play out on Ethereum. Proof of work has been the proven uh, kind of consensus mechanism for a lot of years. The transition to proof of stake like we saw for like Solana, um, other blockchains, layer twos, protocols has been pretty fragile uh, for the past couple of years. So we'll see how things play out. 
on Ethereum. Um, there's going to be hacks. There's going to be kind of um, attempts to bring down Ethereum, but Ethereum itself has been the most kind of proven to be the most mature, uh, stable, and kind of financially backed blockchain. So I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they better but, be okay. <laughs> we got yeah. money in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to be transparent, I only have like 5% of my portfolio right now um, trading Ethereum. Uh, I am mostly sitting on the sidelines because I want to see how this plays out, I believe, because the macro picture, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, that will bring Ethereum down to kind of lows we saw back a couple months ago. So I'm waiting around that area to fully deploy my capital again. Um, but yeah, I think the merge will be some short-term uh, excitement. And it's been the biggest news we're going to have for this year for blockchain. Yeah, definitely. I, I, think, yeah. I think I see it too. I see, I see a, like a short-term excitement. And then I, I have a yeah. feeling there's going to be like some sort of FUD around it just to try to drop the price like crazy um, because owning Ethereum, if, it's, if it becomes successful, owning Ethereum is going to be just as valuable as Bitcoin um, in the future, especially with the whole staking idea uh, to get rewards. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, moving on, I think we talked about the Bellatrix upgrade and total difficulty, um, total terminal, ter sorry, terminal total difficulty, TD. TTD. That's a mouthful, actually. <laughs> uh, when that reaches a certain number, um, that will trigger the Paris upgrade. When the Paris upgrade happens, again, it's going to be around five or six days from now, September 15th or 16th. Uh, that, as, that will kick off the, the official transition to proof of stake. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be amazing. Um, so that, the transit to to put it in perspective, for those who don't know, the transition from proof of stake has been signaled for about like five years now, ever since the beginning, <laughs> almost the beginning of Ethereum when it got big. So this is something that's five years in the making. It got pushed back almost every year, and it's finally happening in five days. So when the Paris upgrade happens, the finality uh, of the transition from proof of stake will take uh, what they say, I think it was approximately 12 minutes right afterwards. So it's going to be some fireworks uh, around that date, especially from a trading perspective. And I am trading this merge, and I'm going to, we'll both walk you through about our thoughts about the process. For Tony, do you have, do you have uh, thoughts about trading your, your own capital throughout this, this merge event? Yeah, so I'm a little worried about where we are because the the merge is coming so close you know you know the saying the buy on the rumor sell on the news um, obviously we know the news date right we know when it's happening so everyone's buying right now and it's up like a couple percentage even maybe the, maybe it's because of bitcoin for all i know um, the only reason why i'm actually trading ethereum or holding any of ethereum right now is because of its volatility um, it's a little bit more volatile than bitcoin currently so that's why i only have some of it in it um um, but I do think I want to exit Ethereum um, before the merge and then come back when there's like scared, some kind of FUD regarding it. And uh, when it, and if it ever drops, I mean, it's still good because it's dropped like 70% since the top. 
Um, so I'm not too worried about where we are, but uh, I do think it's going to drop again, at least just one more time before it wants to continue much higher um, with the security of proof of stake. Yeah, I'm in a slimmer boat. I think uh, I'm trading again uh, just 5% of my uh, total total position. Um, I think Ethereum, I have Ethereum going to 2000, kind of these five days actually up to the merge. Uh, there's going to be a lot of long-term resistance around the 2000 area. And I think after the merge, it's going to be who knows. So I think um, kind of the momentum people have been building up to the merge, getting their ETH locked uh, and staking. Uh, in, pre in preparation for Ethereum staking for proof of stake, it's going to be a lot of fresh capital. Actually, people have been waiting on the sidelines. I was like, hey, let me just get in on the staking action. So when the stake, when Ethereum transitions to proof of stake, the locked ETH on the network in order to stake ETH. Um, so that's when we mentioned like requiring 32, 32 ETH to be a validator on the network. And after you get you become a validator, you actually get rewards um, from proof of stake. So that's why you get rewarded when you actually stake ETH. So a lot of people are going to be putting their ETH in right now in preparation for the increased rewards um, in the future. Now, I think because Ethereum had dropped, it's a bear market. There's a lot of people with the cash on the sidelines, including myself. And there's going to be like a fresh injection of capital um, in the next week. And there has been, uh, I think, Ethereum uh, leading up to the merge uh, late August until now. Um, from the 1400 level, it's now at the mid 17, it's 1760 right now as we speak. So a lot of interest leading up to the merge, I think, uh, for a number of reasons. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think uh, I'm also looking at it at 2000 and something's going to happen after 2000. So either yeah. it goes up or either it goes down, one or the other. Yeah, I'll see. It's 50-50 <laughs> when it gets there. Um, so trading-wise, uh, I'm actually using KuCoin. I like leverage trading because um, I did it a lot <laughs> in the in the, the passable run. And I like the concept of ledge trading at a really small position. Um, so if I do get liquidated, it's not doesn't hurt that much. And then prepping myself to kind of the rest of my capital for, for real longer term positions. I've learned throughout the years, it's better to hold um, most of your position uh, through uh, the hype. And that's where the most of your gains are happen, happening. Um, leverage trading, I like it mostly for entertainment. <laughs> and the last time I traded with a small position, I wound up with the, the high of a really large amount. So we can do that again this time around. Yeah, sounds good. Don't forget to practice uh, taking profit. That's what I've been telling a lot of people. <laughs> yep. For me, it's 2K. Once I hit that, instant sell for me during this uh, short-term trade. So uh, that's kind of the short-term plan. Next five days, I think it, it'll go up a pretty pretty large amount um, up to and kind of after the merge. Uh, after the merge, um, for those who... so kind of transition a little bit. The reason why there's going to be, I think there's going to be a fresh injection of capital is because uh, major trading platforms like Binance US, Coinbase, 
um, Gemini, BlockFi have the option for users, uh, retail users and, and institutional users to participate in ETH2 staking. Uh, Binance US announced just last week that they're, they're kind of the last ones to do it. Binance US announced 6% APY on ETH2 stake right now. And that's a variable rate going forward. So when ETH2, when, when the merge actually happens, all the exchanges are going to adjust upwards. So it's, the ETH2 reward will be um, higher than what it is right now. Yeah. So uh, that was my signal. Since Binance US, they're kind of the most conservative. They announced the ETH2 staking. That was a good signal that the, the merge will be successful. Um, that's where I started my trade for this kind of up to 2000 area um kind of last two weeks and next week and yeah also yeah. also i want to warn others that are you know looking into earning like six percent from any of these platforms just know that right. when you are staking your it's not your money anymore you you are rewarded for handing them the money over but they're taking pretty much a loan off of whatever you have and if anything were to happen on these central platforms for example, like a hack because Ethereum has a you know security issue or whatnot, or some kind of contract issue, and they were able to you know hack these platforms or whatever a pool that they created, uh, which has you know happened a lot in the past. Um, you are risking whatever you stake, so just remember that. Right. It's also different that exchanges have kind of an insurance policy. You might get some of the money back. Um, the early stakers who started staking ETH, uh, I think, uh, beginning of last year, will get all their money back. That's actually, that's at least Coinbase's policy. Um, up to a certain day, you, you're entitled to get all your money back in case something happens. Um, and after that, you might get uh, partial, partial back. But the main thing is that um, if you do stake Ethereum 2, the upgrade that allows trading of locked ETH, basically, um, up to a certain point, you're unable to withdraw any staked ETH uh, up to a certain date just because to protect Ethereum's price, they don't want to run, run um, on the bank, essentially, um, after the merge happens. So over a period of time, staked ETH gets unlocked slowly. And depending on when the exchanges uh, have as a date to get their ETH2 back, your staked ETH will be locked up until that date. Um, and I think the, the dates that they're looking at, the earliest unlocks are going to happen um, around Q1, Q2 of next year. So definitely if you participate in ETH, ETH2, don't expect your uh, money to be withdrawn until like early, mid 2023 at least. Oh, thank God for those safeties. <laughs> yeah. So that is a major caveat to ETH2 staking. You earn a yield. Um, it's pretty good. Might go up to 8-10% actually, what I think when proof of stake actually kicks off. But uh, don't expect it back to be able to draw, I don't know, a, on the safe side, like mid-2024 <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that is uh, kind of our plan going into the merge. Um, some caveats about ETH2 staking and some exchanges if you're interested. Again, Binance US, Coinbase, BlockFi, Gemini. Um, and TradingView for charting. The, 
well, exchanges for Itsu staking. There's four. Yeah. So that's kind of the short term picture. Um, after the merge, we kind of want to transition talking about the macro uh, side to the general economy, uh, which impacts crypto right now. Um, crypto right now kind of buck it's bucketized into the general risky assets picture, which includes stocks, high growth assets, high growth names. Um, so the macro picture in general, kind of transitioning, um, has been terrible for the past year. Uh, risk assets in general, when I talk about risk assets, stocks, like high growth names, memes, stocks <laughs> included, um, crypto included, don't do well in a rising interest rate environment. And you might be hearing um, about on the news, like the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is the entity, the government, U.S. government entity that controls interest rates and dictates monetary policy for the U.S. Um, so when interest rates rise, the cost to borrow capital and raise capital uh, becomes more expensive. And when companies have less access to raise capital, they immediately are less prone to growth and taking on riskier projects. And also, um, they transition to more of like a safer model, uh, maybe cutting employees in the process, and also uh, just having less flexibility in the future. So that's why it kind of hinders growth when the Federal Reserve uh, raises interest rates. Um, Tony, I don't know if you're following too much. Is that? No, I, I follow that 100%. I okay. came out of economics. So um, so what, what Galen is pretty much saying, just to simplify for a lot of people, is that um, the Federal Reserve is in, uh, turning up the interest rate, right? So it's now we have a higher interest rate. We went from zero interest rate, or I don't know if we had a, ever a negative, probably not. But what's happening is that they're trying to curb our spending. So everything's going to slow down in the economy. And also what that also means in a very simplistic term is that they can actually turn on a recession through interest rate. Higher interest rates are could lead to a recession, especially in current climates because of like the whole COVID, the pandemics, um, natural disasters that are happening or whatnot. So a lot of things have changed in the past couple months, um, the environment wise. So, and, you know, cutting up jobs or whatnot. So what they're doing right now is they're going to, because our, our inflation was like, what, at 8% before, and their target is 2%. And if they really want to curb that inflation all the way down, and and they're using the interest rates to do it they're they're starting up a recession so we're gonna have to go into a couple months of recession um in order to bring the inflation back to whatever number that they're targeting and oh, hope no, it's not gonna be a couple months it's gonna be a couple years oh my goodness years. no no um, way no inflation yeah, so not- recessions never go that long but i mean um the we had a we had a 15 we had a 14 year period of a bull market where there was True. Really, really lax monetary policy um, where the Fed was lower interest rates all throughout that process. It's entirely possible for the next five years we're going to deal with a completely Another. different monetary environment. Got it. Um, so we need to all be prepared into a, a shift into the monetary environment and completely different macro point of view. So if you follow uh, Jay Powell, Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, 
his target with uh, inflation, his view with inflation is to bring down inflation at all costs. Um, some inflation is good for the economy, but when he, when he sees year-to-year inflation, um, I think core CPI, num- core, core inflation numbers, and that's include, ex- excluding energy, uh, increasing at a rate of 8% to 10% year-over-year, his main goal is to kill inflation at all costs, and that, um, and if he brings down the stock market and the overall economy for a short term, so be it. So there was a meeting late August um, called Jackson Hole, where they kind of depart- it was a huge meeting, kind of every year that happens, and they discuss monetary policy for the next year. His uh, message out of it was that I. We are going to bring inflation down to the target, which means 2% target inflation, um, no matter how hard we have to step on the gas pedal for rising interest rates um, for the near future. So for the near future, I think analysts have been uh, saying it could be up till uh, end of 2023 that he's going to interest, raise interest rates. Um, I think the federal interest rate Right now is about two to three percent. Right now, he's been raising. They've been raising it at a pace of fifty bips to seventy-five bips per quarter. Wow! And so, to get to, um, I think people are going to expect a Federal Reserve rate of somewhere around five percent. So that's about four more rate hikes. Yeah. Let me, and, I want to translate yeah. this in very simplistic terms. So what does like a 1% or 50 bips mean? It means that the average interest rates on everything, like the loans you take out, the credit card interest rates or whatnot, it's going to go up higher significantly. It, it like multiplies. So the Federal Reserve interest rate is like the big number. It's like it only moves like 1% or 2% or even less around there, um, up and down. But what that does, it it gets magnified um, to the entire economy, specifically United States, but for all interest rates, right? Like you trying to take out a loan for your home, it's going to go up way higher, uh, not just 1%. It's going to go up probably like, I don't know, maybe 3%, 5% for that every BIP or for every uh, 1% that they move. Right. So when you when you're seeing like the mortgage interest rate, 30 year mortgages, 15 year or whatever mortgage interest rates rising for the past year, it's because that's um, the Federal Reserve have been, has been raising the Fed funds rate uh, consistently for each quarter. Um, and when we're seeing like mortgage rates right now hovering around four to five percent, uh, that's above kind of one or two percent above the Fed funds rate, which is about two point five. When the Fed front rate hits about 5%, your mortgage rate will be around 10% for 30 years, which is Jesus Christ. going back to 1980s. <laughs> where Jesus. That was a whole other picture. But um, I think mortgage rates were like 18% back then for 30 years. Okay, that's Basically no really one, high. I thought the 8% no was high. Money. I mean, yeah. 8% in 2008 is what caused the subprime loan to collapse, right? So, like, a lot of people didn't want to pay for that 8% interest rate on, like, a 300000 to a $1 million house, right? It's just huge on top of your monthly principal. So, um, well, there was a lot. The main reason was because people couldn't 
pay back their loans and that caused the cascade of default defaulting yeah I, um, yeah i'm just yeah. saying that to, to to me i'm saying it's like the eight percent was huge and just like thinking about the ten percent just seems like right. another cascade of 2008 recession but like you yeah. said maybe it'll be a couple of years instead of a couple months because the recovery from 2008 actually was supposed to be six months um, being that it's gonna, it was be the the biggest recession, but it actually, like you said, lasted a couple of years. The recovery coming out of the hole took us like ten plus years. So right. um, I'm not looking forward to that. Definitely not. Right. So that's why we saw like the entire stock market take a plunge. Crypto, we're in a crypto winter, is because uh, inflation ran hot. Fed fund, uh, Federal Reserve totally flipped this picture and started raising interest rates and Bitcoin. Crypto, this is the first time that the whole space has been in a rising interest rate environment. So it's going to be interesting where we head. Um, so how this ties into the trading plan kind of post-merge, because of this terrible macro picture, um, no matter how positive the Ethereum merge will happen will will have an effect on the price and crypto space in general we we, we see a lot of positive price movements in the past couple months past month because of the merge and leading up to it people getting excited again there was a mini altcoin season if you guys didn't notice it this past week where we saw like luna hit <laughs> like two or three x and then um everything kind of two x from the bottom so mini altcoin season i think the merge is pulling it up but after the merge there's no more good news, no more anticipation. Um, I think the macro, the general macro port picture is just gonna pull it down again. So I am sitting on the sidelines with most of my cash waiting for it to hit the base again. Um, and then that's where around like, I don't know, I think eight, 900 ETH, uh, 18,000 Bitcoin, maybe a little before that is really good time to deploy capital again. You're talking about under a thousand Ethereum, under a thousand Ethereum. Yeah, that sounds really reasonable to me. Yeah, again, personal, personal opinion, not financial effect. Right. I mean, who knows? It might not even get down there. So, yeah. But yeah, um, definitely during this inflation, it's something that everyone's looking out for. Um, when something I've realized growing up is that when you know the news is talking about inflation. It means it's already happening, right? Like we're deep in the inflation by the time the news break out. So when they're talking about is the inflation coming or is it here or, you know, whatever they're talking about or the, for the future of inflation, it means it's already here and people are being affected by it. Uh, gas prices, etc., a cost of living um, all going up. So or it's already been up, so to speak. So um, I think uh, crypto asset is going to be more prevalent in the future right a higher adoption based on what's happening in the macroeconomics that we're talking about just everything else other than crypto so um it's something that a techno a newborn technology new financial system like uh bitcoin and ethereum is going to be crucial 24 7 365 a year uh it's something that's definitely needed um and just the flow of the security of the financial space right so it's never been down that's like what we're looking for the network to be always up 99% of the time or 100% of the time. And so we need a financial system that we can rely on and a global financial system, right? So it's not just um, 
something that we look at from a lo- locality level, not like just the US or Europe, uh, but like a financial system that we can use um, and rely on on a global scale. Uh, currently, Bitcoin is definitely not mature enough yet because of this huge upswings and downswings that are costing, you know, people's lives, right? Like their money and their their life savings. So, and it's really making it difficult for companies to get involved because, you know, once they own some of this stuff, it's like thinking about like how do I help develop it, right? And then it, with these huge swings during the bear market, not a lot of people are going to look into it. Um, so there needs to be some sort of uh, stability in terms of the volatility part. Uh, if there's a, a natural growth and a very stable one in Bitcoin, such as a big one like Bitcoin, um, I think that's when a lot more development, like a AAA you know, development is going to come in. And that's something we re- definitely need in this space because it's still trash um in my opinion uh and it almost makes me want to just drop everything that i'm doing and just really go into building something on top of bitcoin because <laughs> why the wow. hell not you know true bear market words there Tony. <laughs> <laughs> i'm still excited i think uh the price wins is what makes int- crypto interesting for me um i learn every every time when there's a bear market definitely hurts but major life lessons learned and these swings, all emerging technologies. Um, we don't we see this because it's public. Uh, there's a, a lot of clear price history around crypto, but with like the VC space uh, or early emerging technologies, which is where we at right now. We there's a it's a black box. We don't see like price movements at all with uh, like emerging technologies, like the early days of Uber, early days of Amazon before they went public. We don't see the crazy nascent. Uh, price swings yeah but in crypto we do so transparency is one of the really important things about crypto anyone can track the price and value uh and participate in it um but these these swings you know you know technologies have these swings from price movements is that we're early like when i yeah. talk about crypto and right now through the bear market maybe one out of literally 20 people are interested in participating even less than that so that's why I think we're we're still really early um, into the crypto adoption cycle. Yeah. So I just want I mean, it to be. Things, I just yeah. want it to be past the early stage. You know, what I mean, I want to. I want us in like that big S curve going up and up. Yeah. Well, uh, when we're there, well, it'll be boring <laughs> for me. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you're right. So, and I, two different sides to the coin. Yeah, right. And the, the pro of this volatility is that it really flushes out right. like the bad projects. So, exactly, it makes the yep. it makes the environment or the ecosystem healthy in a sense. Yep. And so exactly. And but I just want it to be at a spot where <laughs> I can see like all these traditional companies wanting to be in the space and then being more invested and in building on top of it because I don't know, Bitcoin seems a little, you know. It's stable. It's great for what it does. Um, but I kind of wish, you know, I saw a little bit more. I want to see like contracts being built on top of Bitcoin. Like, well, why the hell not? You know, uh, maybe a second layer to be successful. I know we have the yeah. Lightning Network, but you know, I don't, I don't see like everyone using it yet. So, um, yeah, that's the type. Of hey, that's where I want to be. That's at. why cryptos are interesting. You don't something new could pop up during every single uh, bull market. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what uh what will happen during the next run. I think around 2024, mid-2024, around the next Bitcoin halving 
is we're going to see um, uh, the next run after all this stuff has been flushed out yeah, or down. Definitely. And speaking of flushing, <laughs> Tony, do you want to? What a great segue. Yeah, that's, this, that was perfect. <laughs> <What about>? uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you do it on the side here? Yeah. So um, during this bear market, I actually have been working on my own brand slash project. Uh, it's interesting because we were just talking about like the whole recession and whatnot. And so my product is actually recession proof and it's actually great for the uh, market in general. It's an essential item such as uh, bamboo toilet paper. It's unbleached bamboo toilet paper. Uh, it has like no chemicals, zero chemicals or whatnot. It's actually catered towards um, people, my audience that would be users would be mostly like who has skin problems, like skin allergies, atopia, dermatitis and whatnot, uh, eczema, right? So skin irritations are supposed to happens because of chemicals and the products that they use or just because they have sensitive skin. And so my product is uh, made to be unbleached. It's a little brown in terms of the toilet paper. It's not white. All white toilet paper is actually bleached or, or some sort of chlorine is used in order to make it white. And if it's made to be soft, you actually need more chemicals um, to make them soft. So uh, two things that my product is not is um, it's not bleached and it's not soft. Um, I don't want to claim that it's soft, but it can get soft if you have it, if you live in a high humidity type of weather. Um, it seems to soak up the humidity space around it. So, and that's when it becomes soft. Um, that's something I've noticed. Like it, it becomes soft naturally versus like being having to use any type of chemicals to make them soft. So I am working on a toilet paper project right now, um, selling on Amazon. It's already listed on Amazon. You can look it up. If you just use the keyword bamboo toilet paper, it'll be there. It's uh, the brand name is called Bamboo Story. Ultimately, I do want to build um, products around bamboo story or bamboo products in general that eliminates uh, all plastic and um, uh, toxic things that would you know hurt the environment. The goal, the ultimate goal, is to curb you know the pollution that's happening uh, around the world right now. So that's like the main project that I'm working on during this bear market, and it's surprisingly successful. I have to add that. Nice. Um, I'm getting like huge sales that I've never seen in my life before. So, um, and I'm looking forward to that, building that and um, adding more future products for everyone and everybody and uh, uh, making this world a healthier place. Yeah. And there's your successful bear market crypto story. <laughs> oh yeah sponsored so, by bamboo story so i toilet paper i did it on amazon yes that's true so a lot of this was um the money that came from to you know make this project happen was from crypto so from my very early days of you know investing in 2017 2018 during the bear market dollar cost average you know stuck to the plan stuck to my thesis in terms of how to own crypto and then i converted that most of it, I started practicing my own mantra of taking profit, uh, practice taking profit uh, during the, the bull run uh, as it was going up and near the, when it was near the end of it. And I converted that money into uh, sponsoring this pretty much this project, um, Bamboo Story, and I created that using crypto money. Um, and so that's kind of my, my story, I guess, so to speak. Cool. Yeah, I've used Bamboo Story toilet paper, unsolicited. Uh, feedback from my wife. She said it was the best toilet paper she's ever used. Nice. I have no stake in Tony's project. I don't make a penny <laughs> from it. Just a average consumer from a good friend. 
<laughs> and podcast co-host. All right. Um, so Tony is changing the world through one product at a time. One product at a time. Ethereum is moving to proof of stake, changing the world through 99.95 reduction of energy costs. So it's a double whammy right there. Ethereum and Tony partners going through the same same direction. <laughs> right. I should just have something on the Ethereum blockchain bamboo story. <laughs> yeah, you should put it on the blockchain. Yeah. Make an NFT. Or immortalize With it. With every purchase, you get a free NFT redemption. So that's actually Do one that. of my goals. I'm actually going to let people buy my product with uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin. So that's all right. working towards it. I don't have that set up yet, but uh, that is one of my goals. Yeah, you spit pay. Yeah, and it's going to be on a discount if you use crypto. So uh, look oh. forward to that. Nice. All right. Uh, I think that's what m- we mostly wanted to share with you. Um, our thoughts around the merge, kind of trading plans around the merge, and what will happen in the next week. We'll see when the merge actually happens. So really interesting stuff. Um, wanted to throw this episode out there so it gets to your ear holes for the merge app. All right. Thank you for uh, showing up again uh, and for this episode. We obviously have a great time talking about this space. So it's endless uh, what we can talk about. Yep. See you guys on the next episode. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.